Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 200 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It, this show was supposed to be uh, Selection Sunday night. That was a, we had we had been planning for weeks. We had timed all the episodes so that we were going to get to 200 on the night of Selection Sunday. And lo and behold, everything has been ruined, as everyone knows. So it is now Thursday night tournament. Uh, official first round should have begun today. But alas, it was not to be. Uh, I am your host for this. Stop it! You're making me uh, sad. (laughs) Anyway, I am I am your host for this episode, Sam Klein. I am joined by two gentlemen that you generally know. Uh, One of them is Donald Wine. He is in Washington D.C. I believe he's. It looks like he's at home. Yes, I am at home. Um, I've been holed up here since Monday. I've left to. I've left open my door three times since I got back on Monday morning. So. Um, cabin fever is starting to set in, but this is nothing unusual to me when I'm working from home. So the new normal, I guess. And, uh, well, good. I'm, I'm glad you're taking care of yourself and taking care of your neighbors. Jason Evans is at home in Atlanta, I believe with a full house of, yes. uh, yeah, of family. If you, if, you, if you hear activity in the background, my wife and younger son are making a banana bread right now. The new the new world we live in is the kids have moved back in, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, it's it's a crowded household, but but we like it that way. Everybody's here and safe and happy, and you know, I haven't kicked him out of the house yet. So, Jason, uh, apparently, apparently, Mrs. Evans and your son do not know the element and the rules of show and tell, which is if you're going to bake a banana bread, you should have enough for the entire class. Just uh, say. Hey, if if you came down to Atlanta, you could have some of my banana bread. And, I'm on the way. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I mentioned that I am I am back at home in Durham, uh, where my classmates and I are all uh, playing school remote now. So we're all holed up in our apartments, uh, generally in the same vicinity of each other, but uh, taking classes online. So that is a strange new reality. But we have one additional person on the show. And if you have been listening to the show for a while, you may have guessed that he was coming back because when we did episode 100, we had, I think, one of my favorite uh, guests that we've ever had on the program. And so we decided to bring him back for episode 200. Uh, He's a former Duke basketball player. 
He has been around the program for a long time. He's a he's a great booster for Duke, uh, and he's been involved in all kinds. So, Kenny Denard, welcome back to episode 200 of the DBR podcast. Thank, thank you very much, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Unfortunately, we're not talking a whole lot of hoops, but uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's I'm. 62 this year and the oldest of the brotherhood that played for coach k just happy that i am i got back from the duke carolina game sunday about 12 days ago and i've been in isolation just hoping none of those new yorkers that were at the washington duke infected me so i am <laughs> i am checking my temperature daily and uh but i came back it was awful pollen so i thought maybe that was you know all that congestion and hacking up all that but so far, so good. I, I feel like that uh, my wife and I are living on our motor coach in an undisclosed location south of Houston, and we are definitely staying out of. I love uh, it. <laughs> uh, an undisclosed location. I love it. <laughs> you got to protect Kenny, man. So, so Kenny, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. We we thoroughly enjoyed having you a hundred episodes ago. We're glad to have you back. Now, we all live in this new this new world where there's no sports, so. I know I've been watching every movie on Netflix. What have you and and the better half been doing to kind of bide your time since there's no basketball on TV? Well, I have been work my office. I'm an investor relations professional. We have an agency that represents public companies. So during the day, I'm still Ouch. working here. I'm still doing work. We're all working. Uh, we're communicating with our clients. We're putting out I put out three press releases today. So we're doing our thing during the day at night. We're watching all kinds of prime. You know, we've got them all. Hulu, Prime, uh, Amazon Prime. We've got uh, YouTube TV. We've got all of it here on the bus and direct TV. We're loaded up with all kinds of media. We've been really interestedly, uh, the last few nights, we've been, we caught on to this thing, uh, the Lindley murders or something on Amazon Prime. My wife loves British mysteries, you know, uh, murder mysteries. We've watched every Midsummer Murders, and there's 21 seasons of that. Uh, so we're, we've been watching a lot of uh, English murder mysteries lately. So also, I mean, we have – there's a lot of stuff on TV. There's a lot of stuff that used to be on TV that isn't anymore. And what we've noticed in the past week or so is that ESPN and Fox have kind of taken – and even CBS have taken this time to – uh, rehash some of the oldies, right? So they, they're bringing back some of the old games. Have you been able to check out any of the old Duke games that have appeared on TV over the last week? No, I haven't because, I, you know, it's kind of sad when I watch, you know, when you, you know, Sports Center, Scott Van Pelt, who I love. But, you know, it's it's just it. there's nothing current for them to report on. I've I've got more films in my head, you know, that I've played in that I've replayed all the time. Last night I was dreaming it was senior night at Duke with me and Gene at Carolina game. Of course, I couldn't find my socks, you know, in the locker room and we were supposed to go out. That was my dream last night. So I, I live those in my head. I, I don't have to watch many of them. Okay. Well, wait. So Kenny, if, if you had to watch one game again, you, you've, look, I'm, I'm usually the old timer in this podcast. You actually have a, have a good seven years on me. If you had to go back and watch one Duke basketball game, which one would it be? I would say the, my senior game against Carolina. It was a great game one. Game. It was a great one. It was, that's the one that has the most, uh, you know, that, that, that just was the most fulfilling win of all my career, just because we were not as good that year, you know, it was Coach K's first year and G-Man had graduated and Bender was gone and Spinarco was gone. So we were we were floundering. We didn't have any recruits. Um, and that game turned out to be quite magical. That whole day was amazing. Um, the, the second game that I think I would watch is the Villanova game in Eastern Regionals in March of 1978. It was when we beat Villanova to make it to the Final Four. And then the third game would be the Notre Dame game when we beat Notre Dame at 78 to go to the finals. I do watch the, the Kentucky game is on YouTube in its full entirety. So you can watch that game. And I, I like to watch it up until when I fouled out. They called me for a charge on a fadeaway jump shot that would have put us within two points with about 20 seconds to go. Instead, they got the ball and they, they win by uh, four or six or whatever. 
But uh, that's kind of, you know, I lived in the past 40 plus years ago. That's that's how sad my life is. Okay, so a, a little bit of more recent past then. You watched the team a lot this season. Uh, reflect for me a bit on what you saw from Duke this year, what you thought about the team, um, you know, and, and what you think their prospects were had there actually been a tournament. I like what Coach K did this year. You know, he had kind of a – how are you going to do as far as the excitement of a Zion Williamson? How are you going to beat that the next year? Sorry, let me turn my computer off there. How are you going to beat that as far as just the joy of watching Zion play last year? The, you know, it was just and, – and even the few games he played in the NBA. The kid is just joy, you know. The, they're doing a – and I'm sorry to just keep rambling, but it's – you know, you did ask me on the show, and that's what I'm known for. Is you go, you go, keep going, man. <laughs> Zion, you fill Joel, content here. <laughs> so many people came up to me and emailed and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram with a year with Zion's joy and love of you know that team last year reminded everyone of '78. How Gene and me, you know, I mean, we just had so much love and joy that year that created a whole new, you know, that was the first time Duke basketball and color TV had ever done anything. And we went to the finals, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, in fact, they're doing, there's a crew out of New York is doing a documentary on the 78 team because of that, that they, you know, one of the, one of the owners was, was at Duke when I was there and they see that, that that story really hasn't been told in a way that people actually understand that we're kind of the founding fathers of Duke basketball in the color TV era. You know, Duke basketball hadn't done anything before we got there for 12 years, really. So it was really exciting for that to see. But this year's team, you know, it, it really had a lot of, of interesting uh, complexities to it because all those guys were really talented. You know, and I've been saying this for the last 10 years in the one-and-done era – until they get under a coach like Coach K and get, you know, he breaks you down and then rebuilds you. That's what the Army does. That's what a system does. That's what Dean Smith used to do. You know, Dean Smith never – Phil Ford was the first freshman that ever started at uh, Carolina. You know, Dean Smith had a senior type of hierarchy system. And, uh, you know, now you you, ha you have to go through – you can't come out of AAU or high school and think you're going to be a world beater because it just doesn't work that way. So, you know, I give Coach K a lot of credit. I, I thought he was in the running for Coach of the Year um, because he was having to deal with so many different things with personalities and and people's skills, et cetera. And then, of course, you have particular injuries here and there. But, you know, let's not talk about Carolina because then, then we'll have to, you know, feel a certain way to not act like we're happy they were losers this year. But anyway, um, <laughs> but not, no, but seriously, the, I like this team this year. I thought they would have gone as, as far as they would, you know, they, they were not a guaranteed anything. You know, you just had, to, you know, those nine games in January where they were rolling, then they had another nine games where they couldn't start very well, you know, so that's what that's what those teams do. Freshmen hit the wall in late January, early February. They have a hard time uh, managing through. And this is like rookies in the NBA. They hit the wall in late late December, early January, and hopefully they make it back, you know, for playoff time if they're on a decent team. So the youth of this team was was exciting, and Trey was Trey was just wonderful to watch. You know, to to get a chance to see him play again this year was was quite a pleasure um i think i think that the big kid vernon carry will be a great pro you know he just has to get in great shape and he has to be stronger he's got all the skills um you know, kenny, who knows, kenny, who knows who's um, gonna stay kenny what do you think of you know speaking of of some of the guys who were who were so who made such an impact on this team? What do you think of Justin Robinson late in the season, uh, particularly in the UNC game that that you attended? Uh, just his emergence and and what a revelation that was for Duke at the end of the year. I thought it was wonderful because the kid had had some moments throughout. You know, it reminded me of Zubac a little bit back in 2010 when he had that game against Maryland. 
you know, if 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 uh, that was any kind of indicator where Zoops really helped march to the finals and the championship that year, I thought Justin or J J Rob as they called, I thought he was going to have some real significant time and he had the confidence and you know when he hit that three falling down and I mean it was just I was sitting right over next to David Robinson and I just watched him enjoy you know he didn't he didn't go crazy he didn't jump up and go woo, woo, woo. he just smiled and clapped for his son it was so warm it's so cool to see that moment in person that close um I was happy for him I, I think you couldn't write a better script for a kid that has put in the hours he's always you know the practice guy and works his butt off and he gets rewarded and you know obviously he didn't get a chance to to do anything else uh in the tournament cuz didn't have one but uh he's always got that day forever i mean you can't you can't feel bad if your last game in college you beat carolina kind of you were the really the player of the game in my opinion and that's how you go um, out. and and speaking of the carolina game uh you were in attendance in your in your I don't even know how to describe the jacket you were wearing. I assume that people saw it on TV because how could you miss it? Uh, but what was the how, – how did you feel being at the game and, and being around so many other former players? You mentioned you, you, know, you were sitting right near David Robinson. Like it's, it's always the game that brings the stars out. So what was that experience like for you? Well, this year was really interesting. We had like 25 guys come back. I mean, from Leitner to Grant Hill to, to uh, Shane Battier, uh, Thomas Hill. First time ever back since he left, came back. Was it, it was really his first time back? Yeah. And Allah, wow. of course, Allah's my brother from another mother. The big, you know, we call Allah in in the airport, we call him random bag check because how many seven-foot Egyptians make it through uh, make it through customs without getting taken into a private room? Oh, that's uh, so awesome. <laughs> so, so we had a great time. We saw a bunch of guys. We had a little party before the – J.D. Simpson had a party at his house over in Hope Valley before the game. It was nice to see everybody, and it was really warm and wonderful. The weather was great. Uh, the game turned out great. And, you know, I did have my, my gloves and, and my mask ready, along with my neon camo to uh, ward off any evil viruses. And and not to mention the go to hell Carolina go to hell, I'm sorry excuse me the GTHC GTH hat that you were, that you usually sport at games but was very prominent uh, at least from my vantage point on TV. Yes, well that's you know you got to do what you got to do and that was the game to wear it right. There's no no bigger game than against Carolina and plus after that miraculous comeback win in Chapel Hill, you knew they were going to bring what they had. I mean they had been playing really well. I think the one thing that they pro- where Cole Anthony probably screwed up was woofing about how great he, his team was playing, and they're probably a top ten team because I bet you that was like a loop in the locker room for that whole. I guess they had five days to prepare for Carolina because they played on a Monday night. So I bet you that was looping all through the locker room on screens that you know his his discussion about how great they were playing and how you know they ought to be afraid of us. I wouldn't want to be playing us. So that that's maybe you know that's just what youth does. They act like there's something, and then sometimes it comes back to bite you. But it was fun to not have the you know the sphincter so tight that you could make a piece of coal into a diamond during a game, which is mo- most of these Carolina Duke games are. So it was nice to have one that really wasn't in. There was a couple of places where it could have gone, but there wasn't a whole lot of stress in that game. It was mostly just joy and enjoying watching these kids play their last game, especially the, the freshman in the tray. And of course with J Rob getting his game off, it was wonderful. All right, Kenny, we, uh, we'll, we'll let you go here shortly. Uh, any, any parting words for the people advice for getting through these weird times that we're in now, uh, thoughts about the program, anything sort of that's on your mind? Well, I think, uh, Everybody, I mean, I'm old now. I'm in the high category of getting this virus and dying because I've got all the, you know, I've got the type 2, I've got the asthma, I've got, the, you know, take all kinds of medication for, because I've outlived my expiration date anyway because most of my friends bet I wouldn't live past 30. But having said all that, take care of yourselves and take care of others. 
the best line I saw the other day was a, a scientist saying, don't act like you're afraid to get the, the virus. Act like you've got it and you don't want to spread it. Be responsible. This thing is a game changer. It's changed our world. We have no idea how it's going to end up. We don't know if we're going to have martial law. I mean, I, I, I think there'll be, you know, tanks and troops in the streets before it's all over with if we don't get this thing contained. You know, I don't believe anything China's ever said. I think their numbers are low. You know, scientists and governments are all part of some sort of communication strategy. But whether you watch the Fox or the MSNBC or the left or the right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't care. This is for real. And everybody needs to pay attention and let's get through it. And I just hope uh, I'm going to stay, stay, uh, I'm going to follow every guideline there is because I'd like to stay on the planet. And I hope everybody else out there would too. So next year, hopefully we have a season. I hope we, uh, you know, there's already the NFL talking about delaying. So let's, let's just uh, hang in there, uh, love each other, and realize we're all one. We need to, to get rid of the silliness of, you know, race and color, creed, religion, and let's try to survive on this planet and do better. Well, Amen. Kenny, that's beautiful. Kenny, we, we appreciate you for, I mean, I think I speak on behalf of the three of us and everyone listening when we say you take care of yourself, uh, take care of your family. I hope you guys uh, get through this okay. And always, as always, thank you for joining us. We, we've only had a couple of milestone pi- podcasts, and you've been on both of them. So that means I'll you need see, to be back. I'll see, yeah, I'll see you on we'll 300, baby. Exactly, exactly. So, so take care, Kenny, and we will, we will definitely time, talk to you soon. Next time, we'll actually ask you active basketball questions. Maybe. Well, <laughs> uh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> we'll make them up. We'll, we'll like play, we'll play, you know, NBA 2K or something. Just ask us, ask you about that game. So we'll figure it out for next time. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks All right. Take it easy, Kenny. So our thanks again to Kenny Denard, and we will be right back after this break. All right, Kenny is gone, but... Donald, Sam, and Jason are still with you. So we will do a bit of reflecting here on the season. We'll give you guys some quick updates on how we're doing. I guess we we sort of started that earlier, but give you a few more details. And I, prior to coming on the show tonight, I failed to prep the end of the stats prediction game. So whatever, maybe we'll just like do that next week because it's not like- Yeah, we'll do it another time. Yeah. I'm sure I won. I always win, right? we're 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 in no rush. Uh, I, I think I actually ended up previewing a fair amount of it, <laughs> not realizing that was the end of the season a couple weeks ago. So, oh, oh well, here we are. Anyway, uh, so why don't we why don't we start like this? We'll do a bit of of season recap, and Kenny kind of got us started talking a bit about Trey Jones, a little bit about Vernon Carey, Justin Robinson, Donald. Give me give me one or two thoughts about. Your impression from this season did it. Obviously, it's a shame that we didn't get to see Duke play in the postseason as we didn't get to see anybody play in the postseason. But what were some of the big takeaways that you had from the 2020 basketball season? First of all, I'll talk about Trey Jones. And it was, you know, when he decided to come back for his sophomore year, we declared that a victory uh, in the sense of we assumed that he was going to join his freshman year teammates in the NBA um, and to have him come back and play as well as he did throughout the year, it, it, it exceeded expectations. Just the, you know, getting him some shine, allowing him to really be the leader of this team, I thought was terrific. And it was wonderful to get to watch him play uh, in person a couple of times uh, once at the beginning of the year. And then once what ultimately became at the end of the season and I really appreciated him coming back and really giving it a try. I, I, I lament the fact that he did not get to go and get that title that he, at least this season, 
um, get that title that he came back for. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the offseason as some of these guys start to make these decisions and also just the timetable of how these decisions will come about with this new reality that we live in. But the other one that I was uh, really, and I'll touch on it quickly because I'm pretty sure that you guys all echo uh, at least some of it and want to talk about it further. The emergence of J-Rob at the end of the season was one of the great moments I think we've had at Duke in a long time. Um, probably, I, I like I said, I think we said this a couple weeks ago, bringing up Zubik in 2010 and his emergence is kind of comparable to that, but it's a little bit different. It hits a little bit different because he was a walk-on. He was a preferred walk-on. We, we interviewed him before he even stepped foot at Duke um, on this podcast. So uh, to watch him grow throughout the years, um, and, and this is, you know, something that came out of nowhere. And but to see a guy like that work hard for you know five years, get his chance and excel right at the end of his college career uh, was awesome. And to see that end prematurely uh, through no fault of their own uh, was that's probably the the bitterest uh, the bitter the most bittersweet pill to swallow is that we didn't get to see him play. So. Those are the two that I'll take away. There's obviously a lot that we can talk about with this team, uh, but those are the two that really stuck out for me. Uh, and so I'll give it to Jason. And, and Jason, I'm pretty sure will will echo what I have on the J-Rob situation. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, the saddest thing, the first thing I thought of when um, we heard the season was done, I, I was I was sad that J-Rob didn't get to continue that magical run he was on. Um, he, ha- you know... We only, we really only got like, what was it, like three games of J. Rob actually playing significant minutes, and and it was it was you know it was just magic. Um, it, Donald, you said it. I think all of us just we wanted to see him have an ACC tournament. We wanted to see him have an NCAA tournament. Um, look, I I don't know that this team Duke team was gonna. It is entirely possible they were going to lose to NC State or Florida State early in the ACC tournament. It was entirely possible they were going to get upset, uh, you know, in the round of 32 or the Sweet 16. But I think that all of us kind of, when J-Rob emerged and the way he was playing and the energy, uh, you know, and, and that outside shooting he was bringing to the team and the such, I think all of us sort of felt, wait, there may be something special happening here. It's impossible not to compare it to the Zubek situation. Um, it, it feels so similar. Um with a senior having that happen late, late in his, late in his, uh, his senior year. Um, so I, that's, to me, that's the thing that I lament the most about not getting the rest of the season was that we didn't get to see what he was going to do. But then the other thing I wanted to reflect on really quickly, I don't think, I hope people recognize what a great season Vernon Carey had. Um, uh, he was ACC Rookie of the Year. Look, you mentioned Trey Jones. Trey won ACC Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year in the ACC. Trey had Trey did not get his ring, and I know that's what he came back for. But he he accomplished pretty much everything other than getting his ring. Uh, Vernon Carey, to me though, had I, how is it possible that we have had in consecutive years freshman seasons like we've seen from uh, you know uh, all the way back to to, to Bagley. And then we had Zion, and then we had Vernon Carey. And it may seem silly to have Carey in the same sentence with those guys, but like, uh, like over four uh, in a per forty minutes, Vernon Carey, if he'd played forty minutes, now granted he didn't have the stamina for it, but if he played forty minutes a game, he would have averaged twenty eight and a half points per game and fourteen rebounds per game. Those are crazy numbers. I mean, this is a guy who had fifty eight percent of his field goals including uh, almost 60% of his two-pointers. It's only because we had Zion a year ago that we aren't looking at his numbers and saying that he had, you know, one of the four or five greatest freshman seasons in Duke history. He, he really might have. He had a, a, a remarkable season, incredibly efficient, and we kept on hearing throughout the year that he'd done it while, while you know, on the inside, while not being a guy who was an inside player in, in high school, that he sort of adapted into this. And man, I, I, I hope that the fact that he didn't get some postseason moments, he didn't get, you know, a, a few more 2010, um, 20 point, 10 rebound, you know, kind of games that we know he would have had in the ACC and NCAA tournament. I, I hope that that doesn't make people forget him more than they should, because I thought Vernon Carey Jr. had 
had a really, really great season. Sam. The guy that we talked about at the beginning of the season relative to Vernon Carey, like Vernon Carey's comp coming into Duke was like best case. He was going to be somewhere like a poor man's jelly Okafor. Uh, he had worked with Okafor in the off season. We, we heard about that at the beginning of the year. That was one of those, one of those storylines that was, that was kind of neat for Duke fans, but would it really play out? Okafor was a first team all American was, you know, a national champion was the, the focal point of, of Duke's last national championship run. And as far as the regular season goes, I think Vernon Carey was, was as good, if not better um, in all around game to what we saw from Okafor six years or five yeah, years ago. Not a poor man. He was not a poor man's Jalil Okafor. No. I agree. That's um, a great comparison. More points, more points, more rebound. Like he, he no, I don't know. I'm sorry. I actually don't know if the numbers stack up, but the, but the, the overall production, he was able to carry, took a few threes that he was comfortable stepping into. Uh, he was able to really run the floor. He was a great passer. You know, Okafor had, had the amazing post moves. Kerry had a lot of those this season. And I, I think we've gotten, as you were sort of saying, Jason, we're sort of getting spoiled at this point with all these players who are coming in, and in particular big men who are able to produce for Duke so quickly. Because that, you know, once upon a time it was, oh, well, Duke has this great freshman big. It'll probably take him a, a year or two to sort of get comfortable. Like, it, it was it was amazing that, like, Josh McRoberts was as productive as he was as a freshman, but that was sort of out of the norm, right? Other guys would, would come in and, and take a little more time, and that didn't happen to Vernon Carey. And I did want to come back on Justin Robinson really quick because one of the cool things uh, for me about Justin Robinson is that he was a student at the business school, just like I – or I guess we're both still students at the business school, although we're – uh, remote now, but the, you know, I I'd, I'd see him walking around on campus and being fully engaged with, with the graduate school experience. And, you know, I, I, I can't speak for every student athlete that gets that fifth year and, and does a graduate program, but it is not required of them to be fully immersed in their studies and, and with their classmates. Um, they, they're there to, you know, notionally to, to play sports, to be on the team. And seeing Justin Robinson on campus, I know that he was he was part of the the community at the business school as much as he was a member of the basketball team. Because I would see him, you know, in the cafeteria in the middle of the day. Uh, that, that was and that, that was doesn't sort of surprise weird. anyone. Nope, doesn't yeah. surprise a soul. About no, him. it was it was and and the the leadership at the business school at at Fuqua were super excited for him as much as anyone, any, any fans walking into the stadium, the leadership at Fuqua and the professors and, and the students were as excited for him as anybody when he was getting his shot late in the season. So uh, that was really cool. And, and I'm sure that they will, that they'll use, you know, his last couple games as a, as one of the talking points for, you know, the, the difference that Fuqua makes uh, Donald, uh, give me, give me something else. Yeah. So just to go back to Vernon Carey, I, I thought you both, uh, discussed him very well and just like how his season just kind of compared to some of the great ones we've had. The biggest question I have from this entire season, as, as you both know, the ACC, when it comes to the player of the year award, they only let teams nominate one player. And so we nominated Trey Jones instead of Vernon Carey. Now in previous years, I we could have nominated RJ Barrett and, and, I love RJ Barrett. I love what he did for us. But Zion was going to win that one last year. Marvin Bagley was going to win the year before that. This year, I wonder if we were able to nominate both, if one of them would have still won or if the votes would have been split because they both were the MVP for us at a certain point this year, and they were both the best player in the ACC, in my opinion. The problem is I think Trey won because Vernon Curry wasn't in that vote because he would have taken some votes away from him and given and made it so someone else would have won it. That's I the one Devin, thing that I think would be. Devin Vassell of Florida State would have won if we'd put two guys up, I think. Or mm-hmm. or Jordan Nwara, one of those two, I think. But Right. Yeah. One other, one other thing that I thought was interesting this season, and we talked about it extensively, was the rotation, or as, as Coach K kept saying, the depth. Um, this is the year where we expected Duke to run nine or ten guys ten minutes a game. And it, it seemed like it was set up for that there. Duke had lots of shooters. They had not, they had some experience, but not a ton. And most of the more experienced guys, you know, were, were guys who had played fewer minutes. Javin Delorier, Jack White, Alex O'Connell. None of them have been 
sort of regular starter 30 minute a game type players in their careers. So we thought, all right. And by the way, most of the freshmen outside of Vernon Carey and, and perhaps Matthew Hurt, um, those guys were expected to play big minutes, but the other guys really weren't. This is the year where we were going to see Duke run a lot of players. And we did for a while. Part of that was due to injuries. Part of it was inconsistency. So game to game, Matthew Hurt might get 20 minutes. Wendell Moore might get 30 minutes. And then the next game, they might get five or 10 or 15. And these things were changing throughout the year. Jordan Goldwire ended up being one of Duke's most important players, which I don't think we really predicted at the beginning of the season. So what was interesting is that by the end of the season, by the last couple of games, and most of Duke's end of the regular season was not against the very top of the ACC, save for Virginia. But at the end of the season, it seemed like Duke was whittling down the rotation. And it would have been amazing to get to the tournament to see if Coach K was going to stick with eight, nine, ten guys, or if he was just going to lock it in on what appeared to be the top seven who were really getting minutes at the end of the season. Well, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about all that, about the depth is, if you actually look at the per minute, you know, minute per game um, totals for these guys, we did have 10 guys average 12 plus minutes per game. I, I don't, I don't know that that's ever happened under a coach K team. Um, and Clearly, these Although guys all of, bought in. There are a lot of DNPs in there that don't count towards their towards their minutes played. So, but I yeah, mean, I, wait, the, wait. Uh, hold on. Yeah, yes, and, hold on. Yes and no. I mean, Joey Baker, who was who was the lowest of those. He averaged just twelve point one minutes per game. He played in twenty eight out of thirty one games. I mean, it's that's not a lot of DNPs. That you know, that's three. Alex O'Connell, who who only averaged thirteen minutes per game, twenty nine out of the out of Duke's thirty one games. I mean. He didn't miss all that much time, um, and and I think it's telling that uh, the the lowest of those guys, Joey Baker, who um, who is a guy who knows there are a lot of wings coming in next season who will give him competition for minutes, and and there was as a result of that there was speculation that Joey Baker could be looking perhaps to transfer, um, uh, and just d- the other day on his Twitter, um, he sort of I, I mean he didn't. I guess he kind of, he confirmed that he's not looking to go anyplace else. He's looking to come back to Duke. He's excited about next season and, and what it holds for, for the team and for him. Um, I, I, I think it's telling that these guys understood their roles. They understood there were situations that, where they would be called upon to do a lot and situations where they would be called upon to root on teammates who were doing a lot. And they were fine with that. Um, and I, I, I'm thrilled, obviously, that Joey Baker is coming back. I'm thrilled that he's not upset at his playing time. And I think his playing time next year will be even more than we saw this year. He'll have a bigger role. And I'm, I'm dying to see that happen, mostly because I'm so sad that we didn't get to see the end of this season. So I'm ready for next season, please. All right. So we'll leave it there for right now for the season. Like I said, we'll do the stats game next time we get together. Not sure when that is, but you all aren't going anywhere. We're certainly not going anywhere. So with that, I would like to give each of us a couple minutes here at the end of the show just to kind of give us the quick update on on how you're how you're doing with the with the the isolation or the quarantine or the social distancing, however you uh, are describing it. So, uh, Donald, are you holding up? Okay, is you know, just tell me what's happening. Well, as you guys know, I live in in the middle of D.C. Uh, you guys probably hear a lot of um, fire engines and, and police cars and ambulances go by during these podcasts because I live in a very high traffic area. Um, and as you kind of notice, it's very quiet outside. Um, I, I've been here in my apartment since Monday. Uh, I have not left at all. But I really – and the one thing about this that is kind of interesting, I, I do work a lot from home. So I'm the part about just, you know, kind of getting up and moving to your couch and doing work from there. That's the easy part. The hard part is I also would get a lot of stuff done during the day so that I would get up and leave and go out for a walk or go meet up with some friends. Um, You know, my best friends live 10 minutes from me with my godson and you can't really do that anymore. Um, Everyone's at home. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And what has actually been very therapeutic is FaceTiming people and, and just doing text during the day. Um, 
you know, keeping up with, with people as they are also coping with this. Cause you have to remember, there's also some people who aren't really used to this at all. Um, I'm, pre- I'm prepared. I have food. I have plenty of water. I have plenty of toilet paper, which is the gold of, of 2020. Uh, but, and I also am used to dealing with something like this, whereas a lot of my friends aren't. So I think just for those of you out there, if you have, if you are one of these people that are in a position where you are used to working from home and used to just kind of being, you know, isolated or by yourself a little bit, check in on your people, not just for them, but for you as well. You want to hear from them and they want to hear from you too. Uh, and so just maintaining that contact, this is, we don't know when the end of this will be, but I think if we do a little bit each day to kind of help each other stay sane, uh, then it'll go quicker than we think. So uh, the best thing is to heed all advice. Um, you know, DC is very, very close to being locked down. It's it's an inevitability, in my opinion. But I think if we all are working with each other, then it won't be as long as we think. And it'll be business as usual sooner rather than later instead of, uh, you know, and, and try not to watch as much news as I watch. Uh, I watch the news just to get work done, but some people are watching news and getting freaked out. Don't do that. Dude, it, it's impossible. <laughs> it's, it's impossible it is impossible to avoid. It's impossible to avoid, but it, it, again, it's it's the new reality that we live in, but it, it's good to be prepared. It's good to be informed, but let's make sure that we save time for the things in life that matter, which is our friends and our loved ones. All right, Jason, uh, you're in the, you're in the house full of loved ones. Uh, yep. Give me, give me some thoughts. So, so first of all, I, I'd, I'd like to advise people in the United States, if you're listening to this, be very careful, very judicious about your streaming, because Netflix has announced that they are going to throttle the, the HD signal in Europe, because so many people in Europe are trapped in their homes and are streaming HD Netflix movies and TV shows and stuff. That and sounds like a European problem to me. <laughs> Right, but I don't want. I, I hear you. I don't want to come to the U.S. Europe is worried that Netflix is going to break the European internet. I mean, how insane is that? Well, Jason, you mentioned that, and then yesterday Netflix came out with Netflix Party, which allows you to link up with yes. your friends and yes. watch the same movie together. So it, we must be fine. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess maybe the U.S. internet's better off than the European internet. I, I don't know, but uh, so for me, uh, I would. I would first of all echo what Donald said. Please be careful, folks. I, I don't know how many young people we have who listen to this. Um, the images. I'm young. Of, I'm the, I count as young. I do too, the Im- right? The images of, of kids partying on the beach in Miami, the images from the Nashville nightclubs that are packed full from over the weekend. Uh, I don't know how to say it anywhere than this. Those, those people are killing other Americans. That's just the reality. And we, we have to, we have to abide by what the health people are telling us. And, and I hope everyone will. Um, I, I, I love the fact that I've got my two kids here at home. Um, uh, I work at CNN. They provided everyone um, at, at the company with, uh, with a laptop. Um, and I, I, I mostly write, I will now be writing from home. Everyone on my show team will be writing from, uh, you know, writing and producing from home. Um, so basically our plan is we're going to stay in this house. Uh, you know, maybe every couple of weeks we'll leave to, to restock up the food. But other than that, we're staying here and we're staying safe and everyone else needs to do that same thing. Um, it's, it's scary. And I know you guys are talking about, oh, no, the news. I, I'm, I am the news. <laughs> I'm part of the news. Um, we're just trying to make sure that everyone understands the seriousness of what we're dealing with and also all the reality of it. Goodness gracious. There, there are so many rumors and crazy things. Oh, zinc will stop it. Gargle with garlic and you can stop it. Take a deep breath and hold it for 10 seconds. That's how to know if you actually have it. These things are all lies. Please check news websites, check the internet and make sure that you're not passing on something that's, that's false because this is a time when we need truth in our country. Um, and uh, I, I don't want people to be afraid. I want people to recognize that, that we are helping each other. Like Donald was saying, we help each other when we do the right thing. Yeah, I just want to add real quickly that I am, you know, I'm one of those vulnerable populations that you 
that you hear about on the news. Um, I have a heart condition, so I'm one of those people that would be considered immunocompromised. I catch things quickly, and when they, I catch them, I catch them harder than most people would. Um, it doesn't always happen, but you know, for me, I'm staying in not necessarily just for me. Um, I, it makes sense to stay in for me, but also, you know, we live in. I live in an area that has a lot of people who are in that population. Uh, I live in the middle of DC where we all live on top of each other. I'm in an apartment building that has 10,000 people or 5,000 people, whatever it is. But the, the idea that, you know, if two people in this building went out and they were reckless and they got it, the fact that it could spread to so many people so quickly is why we all need to take precautions and say, Hey, it may not be for me. It's for the person next to me who may not be able to handle it as well as I can. And I'll give you the perspective from being here at Duke, because I assume that everyone that listens to the show is a Duke fan and cares at least a little bit about what's going on here at the university. They just, so I'm, as you all know, I'm graduating in the spring, this spring, this is my last term here at the business school. And just uh, earlier today, they, or, or yesterday, they canceled, they canceled commencement. Um, So I won't be walking at graduation in a few weeks, which is a huge bummer. They, the, President Price mentioned that they'll reschedule it for some time down the road. So after I've left uh, Durham and, and moved on to my to going back to being an adult, I'll have to not have to. I'll get to come back and and walk at graduation with as many of my classmates as can be there. It's uh, it's it's a bummer being here and being around all my classmates, but not really getting to see them and and socialize with them and go to the classes. We've been so we we moved online classes, which I think basically every university has done at this point. And it's, it's very weird uh, because I'm online with, with all my friends and I can see them all on the, on the image, uh, but, but we're not in the room together. So we're just trying to maintain some sense of, of normalcy. And it's, uh, it's pretty weird. But as you guys said, if we all look out for each other and, and mind all the precautions that we're being told, hopefully it's, as they say, we get to flatten the curve and and the thing just isn't as as bad as, uh, you know, as the worst projections are. So take care of each other and and take care of yourselves. Jay, uh, Sam, you know, when it was it seemed it seems like it seems like 84 years ago that me and you were at the NC State game, which was really only two weeks ago when they announced King Jun was going to do commencement and, and fast forward to now. Here we are. Like the first thing I, the first news when I first heard it, my first thought was for you and your classmates that I've gotten to know and just how bummed I was for you guys. But tell me this. I mean, you've been, you've graduated from Duke. You have a degree from Duke. So you've been able to walk at commencement. Is Technically, your- technically I've actually, I've, I've finished my credits for, for Fuqua already. So I've, I've graduated twice. Right. So you've graduated twice, but you've been able to do the commencement in Wally Wade, you've gotten to have the speaker, you've gotten to have that hoopla with your parents, stuff like that. But some of your classmates have it. Is that feeling, is it, is it a little different for them that they, you know, came to Duke for, you know, X, you know, X reason. And, and now they don't get that full Duke experience. Whereas you maybe you may have gotten the full Fuqua experience, but at least you've been able to walk at, at a, at a commencement yeah. before. Does that it's- ring a little different between you and your, and your friends? Definitely. I, I would say that even though I've gone through it before, the experience at the business school is so different from the undergraduate experience that I feel like I'm really missing out on a lot of stuff. They have, I, I, I vaguely remember this as an undergrad, but like second semester of senior year, they, they have some school-wide events. There's like a chapel climb. They do something with the, with the annual fund, which is like the fundraising arm. Um, I think there are some other activities, but for the most part, it's really just limited. LDOC, like, you mean all these things. Yeah, there's LDOC, which is the uh, last day of classes celebration. If you don't know, look it up uh, because it's great, even though we're not having it this year. But, um, you know, uh, there aren't that many sort of senior year formal events at Fuqua. There is stuff, there was supposed to be stuff like every week from now until graduation, if not multiple things for the second years to be doing. And it, it's a bummer. Um, I'm, I'm also thinking about my first year classmates who are supposed to be going to internships this summer. I don't know what's going to happen with those. Um, everyone's trying to scramble to get their credits in. I have a lot of classmates who are international who have 
um, you know, travel restrictions on their visas and also working requirements for for being in the classroom and, and going to work to be able to stay in the country. You know, predominantly my classmates who come from other countries to come to business school are here because they want to stay in the United States. And this whole situation just makes things a little bit more complicated for them in a way that is, you know, feels unfair, but everyone's being affected by it. So, uh, you know, and, and we also recognize that we are just one rather privileged community among all the people in the world who are losing their jobs, seeing their savings go away. All that kind of stuff is, is really tragic. And so, yeah, it's a bummer, but we'll get through it. And the nice part is that we will, um, is that we, the DBR podcast, will continue coming to you, doing shows, talking about the news or about Duke or college basketball, whatever is on our minds. So with it that, takes more I, than a virus to stop us. That's right. Uh, and the nice thing is that that producing a podcast requires you to see nobody in person. So uh, <laughs> so that's fantastic. and uh, you all can you all can avoid your families or whoever that you're with. Uh, during this time by putting in your headphones and listening to us. So uh, I think next time, like I said, we'll do the stats recap. We'll do some some player of the year for, for the Duke team. And uh, so prior to that, don't forget to uh, email us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We got a couple of nice notes this week about, you know, just being around <laughs> during, during these weird times. We'll also, uh, I know that the news came out a few days ago that Rick Pitino is coming back to college basketball, I feel like we'll be able to riff on that for a lot longer. So maybe we'll touch on I, that. I feel minute. like, so, I, I feel like I don't even have the capacity to like deal with that right now. We have to, we have, <laughs> we have to, to, but like, it's really, I, be, oh, I have thoughts. I have many thoughts. We'll do them next week. We're under, we're under no time pressure here. So, uh, uh, happy slash sad first day of the NCAA tournament to all of you. <laughs> Uh, for Donald Wine in Washington, D.C., for Jason Evans, hold up with the entire Evans clan in Atlanta, Georgia. I am Sam Klein in my apartment in Durham, waiting for the for the term to end and just trying to get through this. This has been DBR Podcast, episode 200. Thank you again to Kenny Denard for making his uh, now, I guess, regular appearance every hundred episodes. We, we appreciate we him being you, here. Kenny. We love you, man. And we will be, we will be back again to talk to you sometime next week, but until then take care of yourselves and Duke band, take us home.